Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Don, and Dude. Hello, my children. Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. I got Andy and Don with me. Andy, how you doing, friend? Hey there, buddy. Doing well. You know, I'm just sitting here. got the lights dimmed. A little single candle. Mm. Got a little incense burning in the corner. Don, old chum. What's up? Uh, seems like we got like a high pressure system moving in. Is it a low pressure? <laughs> oh, it's low. <laughs> All right. So this is the Album Nerds podcast. It's a podcast. We talk about albums. We love them. And hopefully so do you. We got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about albums that have songs from the Quiet Storm radio format, and we'll get a little more in-depth on what that is in a minute. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about how we got there, the stuff we listened to in the past week to make our selections, and we'll get to those. We'll each pick an album. We're going to answer a question that's loosely related to our Quiet Storm topic today, and then we'll figure out what we learned, and we're going to spin the wheel of musical destiny to find out what we'll talk about on the next episode. But this week, it's all about that Quiet Storm. What I'm talking about! Quiet Storm is a radio format and genre of R&B performed in a smooth, romantic, jazz-influenced style. It was named after the title song on Smokey Robinson's 1975 album, A Quiet Storm. The radio format was pioneered in 1976 by Melvin Lindsay while he was an intern at the Washington, D.C. radio station WHUR-FM. It eventually became regarded as an identifiable subgenre of R&B. Quiet Storm was marketed to upscale, mature African-American audiences during the 1980s and fell out of favor with young listeners in the age of hip-hop, but its legacy continues into pop music today. So today, each of us will present an album with a song that would be played on a Quiet Storm radio station. All right, so uh, fellas, how did we do in this this Quiet Storm? Did we have an umbrella? Did we get soaked? What's the deal? Oh man, I tell you, I got drenched by some Teddy Pendergrass. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. It's impossible for your hands to not slowly start caressing your own cheek when you listen to (laughs) Teddy Pendergrass. (laughs) Yeah, Teddy P, he puts it, goes to another level with the the Quiet Storm genre here. So, I listened to a couple of his records, both were pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. In the 70s. Uh, Al Green, Let's Stay Together, a little too, a little too, bluesy, a little too poppy, I guess, for this is what I thought the genre sounded like. And I'll shout out a more recent record from a group called Rye, called Woman, came out in 2013. Excellent, you know, kind of soft jazz vocal thing going on and fits this space pretty well. I stumbled on that one too. And a lot of the things that now would kind of fall into that category are even jazzier, I think, than a lot of the 1980s era Quiet Storm be. stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I did some Pendergrass myself. Smoked that Pendergrass and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just it felt too uncomfortable to play and talk to you guys about was what it kind of boiled down to. It's, it's very intimate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could like I we're on Zoom, but even making eye contact <laughs> on Zoom, I couldn't do it and talk about a little too much. Right? Yeah. So uh, Tony Braxton, her first yeah. uh, album, uh, Luther Vandross. I listened to a bunch of his records. The uh, '80s output was probably the the sexiest, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of stuck in, in that realm, but then was looking for something that might be a little more modern, at least in this century, barely. And that's where I ended up landing. How about you, Don? How'd you do? Well, we, we had done it before. Uh, we did the, the Barry White Can't Get Enough not too long ago, and that would have been a, a good one to do, I think. I actually, I checked out Sade. Um, she's not somebody I, I ever really paid much attention to, but I know she's highly regarded. Um, so I did want to spend some time with that record, but I believe you guys discussed it, um, you know, Diamond quite Life. a while ago. Yep, Diamond Life. That would have been my first pick here. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. And then um, uh, Anita Baker Rapture. I remember, I think I, I, I remember watching like the Grammys that year and yeah. like she was nominated in like every category and it just seemed like kind of old people <laughs> music to me at the time. That's, that's <laughs> we did, we did that. Uh, Andy and I did it on the show a while back and that was exactly what I said that at the time I thought of it as like old people music, but mostly is because they were they were old enough to have sex and I was not. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> maybe that's why I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> maybe someday, it. buddy. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up kind of going uh, further back in, in time with, with my pick. All right. Well, uh, now that the picks are in, let's do this. You choo-choo choose me? And so, students, uh, my children, this is Venus Flytrap inviting you to join me on a telescope ride of incredible distances and joyous harmonies as we spin, soar, and somersault into the night of knee-deep velvet. Now a little taste of honey. Oh, yes, those telescope rides. <laughs> what is with the bells, man? Is that I don't know. Of, like, uh, the... You know, Venus Flytrap of WKRP had some props and he liked to use the chimes and then a gong. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> In the era before soundboards. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, for my quiet storm selection here, we are starting with the album that started the whole movement itself. Talking about Smokey Robinson and his 1975 album, A Quiet Storm. This is the third studio album for the soul singer from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, it really solidified Robinson as a solo artist and songwriter after his career with The Miracles was coming to a close. Um, yeah, let's play a little bit of the, the title track. This is Quiet Storm. Quiet Storm blowing through my life. Uh-huh. Quiet storm. Yeah, that song. Wow. I was really impressed by that track. I really came to appreciate this album as a whole after listening to it for a while. He gets a great groove going on this record. Three words I used to describe it are hypnotized by the storm. I think Smokey kind of gets you under his spell here. Kind of works his magics on you. And uh, I don't know, man. I was a believer by the end of this record. They're really well-written, intriguing songs. It's a pretty short record coming in a little over 30 minutes and only seven tracks, but each one really, I think, stands well on its own, covers a lot of ground, and he really gives a really passionate, charismatic vocal performance, I felt. His voice is like very soft and smooth and sensual, but it's very nimble. He's like up and down and all over and creating all these interesting melodies. The The question when I hear him, especially on this record, the when he sings, the way he sings, like I think of Silk sheets, but then I thought maybe it's more satin. So, what do you guys think? Silk or satin for Smokey? When Smokey sings, I hear violins. <laughs> he inspired others. 
Very nice. So silk or uh, satin? Mm, satin. I would go satin, I think. Uh, I think, like, you know, high thread count. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> From now Full on, show. that's how we should rate, rate all albums by their thread count. <laughs> <laughs> I think what stood out to me most listening to this record, you know, f- a fair amount over the last week was the great use of of woodwinds not something you hear a lot of a lot of records that we talk about on the show here that's a quiet storm you'd expect some wood to be involved yeah (laughs) the flute has been utilized if you don't count saxophone as woodwind then it is sort of unusual yeah yeah totally yeah i think the band really holds its own here and plays really really tight with Smokey's vocals. Um, they're right in lockstep through these tracks here. And it keeps things moving and kept me really engaged. And I, you know, like I've enjoyed Smokey. I remember him a lot growing up. I feel like he was in all, like the, all the shows I watched growing up. Smokey was a big part of that scene or whatever. And, but I never heard this album. And, and man, I've, I really came to, came to really appreciate it. Well, he even, he had, ra- he had radio hits even into the 80s. So he never fully went away and he got mentioned in a lot of different songs and mm-hmm. yeah obviously very influential and yeah really was um, in the forefront of the uh, forest fire cause only yes. you can prevent wildfires <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> am i that predictable <laughs> all right why don't we hear another track from the record this is a little bit of happy love theme from lady sings the blues Uh, so that song actually uh, comes from the film Lady Sings the Blues, which was released in 1972 uh, and was about the, the singer Billie Holiday. Uh, the melody uh, was composed by, I think it's Michelle Legrand. The, the melody appears in the film, but Robinson didn't actually add lyrics to the song uh, until after the, the film was released. The song was originally recorded by Bobby Darin and then by Michael Jackson. So, you know, Smokey finally takes a crack at it here in 1975. The lyrics are so cool. I guess that's that's one thing I, I you know that that kind of surprised me with with this album is I mean his lyrics are, are relatively simple but they're they're still kind of clever um, I just like the line you know my life began when happy smiled you know that's that's good stuff the three words I, I chose to describe the album look out Marvin and Stevie so you know this is right around that time where you have Marvin Gaye and and Stevie Wonder putting out these these epic albums. And it's like it's like Smokey had had to answer uh, with with his own. Uh, I mean, this one's a little different because it's more you know romantic, whereas those were you know kind of so tackling social issues and stuff. Right. But uh, I feel in terms of just the hugeness of the record, it still kind of has that big feel to it. You know, with all the the orchestration. You know, I, I think it's a kind of a it's a cohesive like masterpiece. I, I think you know all the the songs are are unique, but they they tie together. I'm happy. I, I love like the '70s R&B because I think they finally embraced the album as as a format. Because mm-hmm. I, I tend format. to think of early mm-hmm. Motown and and yeah. even you know Aretha Franklin and stuff. There's just, just singles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So particularly um, you know Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, and and Marvin Gaye. You know, really you know I think elevated that that genre. I was going to follow up on that. There's like some loose concept album elements to this. There's the album opens and closes and a couple of tracks as well feature kind of like this wind blowing through or like this stormy background yeah. sounds. And- well, I think that those atmospherics 
And I think Smokey kind of, you know, uh, created this romantic world. And I think within that was like stormy nights and, and, you know, stormy under those satin sheets as well. So I, I, I think because of how this album was done and those atmospherics and that theme, that's why it spawned an entire mm-hmm. radio genre, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Influential. <laughs> Take that, Marvin. <laughs> Okay, well, why don't we play um, what was the lead single from the album? This is Baby That's Back At You. I love the flutey stuff going on there because his voice works yeah. with it so well. The quality of his voice does have it does have a woodwind quality to it, you <laughs> no, know. There's yeah, something airy is, to it, yeah. like that's unique. Yeah, so that song um, just really has a great vibe to it. Expresses uh, romantic sentiments. Obviously, I think it it probably came from someone saying "I love you" and him saying "back at you," you know, because I feel like all the the feelings are bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. between them, and I, I like that. Uh, it feels like fresh love. <laughs> So the three words I used to describe this album, gusting vocals forecasted, <laughs> as I alluded to earlier, that the airiness of all of it, the, the instrumentation, his voice, the storm rain theme, like it feels like you're caught up in this. And sometimes that's what love can feel like, especially in the early stages of of a relationship that it does feel like there's this quiet storm brewing and it, it's, uh, you can't control it. You know, and I think that's uh, this sums it up fairly well. The album is lyrically compelling. Every song held my attention. It went too fast, which it's pretty short, but his, his just his voice is so well suited to this. You know, and he's still trying to do it. Eighty something years old. And the album that came out this past year, <laughs> Gasms. Right. Let's not bring Gasms into um, this. <laughs> well, he talks about eargasms and different. It's all different kinds of gasms oh, that this God. person brings. These shudders of joy to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched a performance of his. No, I didn't name terrible, the album. Terrible title. <laughs> um, but you know, along that point, I watched a performance of him from like a year or two ago. Did like an hour and a half long concert. He was really good. He's still like dancing around and still getting the ladies to scream at him. <laughs> All right. Well, man, I don't know. I'm debating Hall of Fame for this. I really like that. It. It's not exactly giving me gasms, but. <laughs> wow no, no 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 Smokey can get away with it you sir cannot <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right all right <laughs> I, I didn't think we'd have a, a quiet storm album in the hall of fame but i'm gonna i think this this one's worthy so yeah i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna nominate Smokey robinson's quiet storm for the album nerds hall of fame I think it's a very unique record. The sound, you know, obviously created kind of a subgenre here, and and I, every track is really strong. So, I, yeah, it's a, I think it's a Hall of Fame worthy for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so too. He's a legendary voice, and he's a legendary songwriter, and I, I think this is probably the the album to put in. I had never heard it before. Me honestly, like yeah, I yeah, wasn't that familiar with his solo output. It's like, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, genre-defining his his contribution uh, to changing music in that, that period, changing what soul music could be. So, right on. All right. Well, that was Smokey Robinson, A Quiet Storm. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. 
If you're enjoying the show, and we deeply hope you are, do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Maybe we made you laugh or you discovered an album you enjoy. Leaving a review keeps the show going and helps other music fans find us. All right, my children. This is WKRP in Cincinnati. You're listening to Venus Flytrap, the first officer of funk. With clearance from the tower. <laughs> Seatbelts fastened. Headphones on. The students will start dancing yeah. in the house. That's awesome. Well, my pick for a, a Quiet Storm record uh, goes back uh, a couple more years to, to 1973. This is Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack. It's the fifth studio album by the vocalist and pianist, uh, born Roberta Cleopatra Flack uh, in Black Ooh. Mountain, North Carolina uh, in 1937. Let's hear, um, you know, the one song that was that was listed uh, on, on, you know, several of the Quiet Storm song lists. Uh, this is Killing Me Softly with his song. With his fingers, singing my life with his words. So that song was was composed by uh, Charles Fox, who's a, kind of a, a semi-famous uh, uh, film composer. Actually, did the music for one of Dude's favorite films, uh, Strange Brew. It uh, features lyrics by Norman Gibble, uh, who actually did a lot of lyrics uh, for television theme sh- uh, songs like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Uh, and you also have <laughs> well, well, I, to to put it in context, TV show theme songs used to actually be full-length songs, many of which got played on radio as right. well. Now, you know, they're much shorter, generally speaking, but uh, yeah, they were epics back then. Yes. Uh, and it, this also featured lyrics from uh, Lori Lieberman. Uh, and then actually, Lieberman was inspired by a Don McLean performance oh, she attended in 1971, particularly of a song called Empty Chairs. Um, so, you know, all that. That's Don McLean, which is kind of surprising. I pictured it being <laughs> yeah. Marvin Gaye. Or, you know, that's, uh, what I, what I <laughs> that's what I always heard, you know, like it's, strumming my pain with his finger. Like this is someone that's got a moving voice, not a <laughs> me, me, me type of voice. But <laughs> apparently Lori was uh, was moved. I I always heard that this was inspired by Marvin Gaye, that Roberta Flack saw him and was writing about him, but it was like 17 other people writing and not her. Yep. So. <laughs> um, and Lieberman actually recorded the song uh, in 1971. Did you listen to it? Uh, yes, I did. How, how is it? It's all right. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> she's, no, she's no Roberta Flack and she's no Lauren Hill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, the three words I, I chose to describe the album are warm, sophisticated soul. I think R- Roberta Flack has a unique place in the in the world of R&B and soul. You know, she doesn't sound like, like the others. And she seems to be, you know, just as informed by, like, classical music as R&B and, and soul. She has a... A pleasant voice. I mean, it's 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 a lovely voice, but it's not. You know, she's not Aretha Franklin. It's more about the song. You know, I think a lot of times with with people like Aretha Franklin, the songs are just sort of like a, a device for her to kind of show off her her vocal yeah. talents. And I think I think Roberta Flack does a good job of bringing the song and the lyrics and the melody to the to the forefront. You know, in some circles, people would criticize her for kind of like a lack of edge or, or rawness or, or a lack of soul or, or something. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this album. I, 
I like her voice a lot. I I think there's a lot of sincerity in it. There's sadness, and that of course that's you know often what what you know draws me in is a, is melancholy, and and there's a there's a, a sadness and a vul- vulnerability in, in most of these songs. Uh, and I think it's a you know it's an interesting collection, you know, with lots of different songwriters represented, um, Janice Ian, Leonard Cohen, and, and and so on. But I you know overall I I think it's uh you know it's a it's a solid solid record. Uh, anyway, well let's uh, let's hear more. Here's a Len- Leonard Cohen song, Suzanne. Takes you down the place by the river. She's wearing rags and feathers from Salvation's Army counter. Damn. You know, uh, one of the things I like about this song is it's, it takes you on this journey, and she does such a great job of taking Leonard Cohen's story about... Uh, about his friend Suzanne Verdal and the lyrics vividly portray like the rituals they would do when they would hang out together. He would visit her in Montreal Harbor and they would have tea and stroll the old Montreal and and uh, he ex- just describes all this stuff so perfectly and the you know that she goes to Salvation Army and you can just picture this person and these encounters but um, the way that Roberta Flack is able to the way she uses her voice, it's it's smoky like in a, in a way in terms of the the what she can do with it, the kind of emotions that she brings out. And there are very few performers like this that don't that really, at least from what I saw, don't write a lot of their own stuff that make things so much her own that it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, you know. And mm-hmm. they're her songs. Mm-hmm. The three words I used to describe this album were "sing us a song." You're the piano woman. <laughs> it kind of is. It, it's that same kind of feel, like the, the Billy Joel in his early stuff would would portray. I mean, she's better vocally, but it feels like a piano bar singer mm-hmm. just belting it out, you know. And and it's warm and inviting. And the album covered more styles than I expected, but the soul shines through regardless of the type of song. And uh, "Killing Me Softly," obviously. Um, she just nails that song too. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, is most of the record or is the entire record a uh, cover song still? Yeah. Well, they're not, they're not necessarily covers. They're just not written by her. Some right. written for her. Yes. All right. Well, let's hear another one. Uh, this is No Tears in the End. Yeah, that's probably my favorite cut off of this album here. I really love the sort of like she hints at some gospel and some soul flavor on that track, and some good good horns and percussion come in and help move things along. Three words I used to describe this album are "killing me with inconsistency." <laughs> <laughs> that is that is great, uh, man. I I, really, I like Roberta Flack. I've I've listened to a lot of her records for this show. I think this collection of songs is just is. is is average in my opinion. They're they're good, but they don't fit very well together as an album. At least I didn't feel like listening through this. Um, they're just kind of all over the place in terms of tone and and style. Obviously, "Killing Me Softly" is is a classic, and I think her version is is the definitive version. Um, but the other tracks, I know Jesse was like a the second single off this album, I believe, and a pretty popular song at the time. I, man, I could not get into that song. I found like that was just just totally derailed the record for me. 
It's a very, it's a very quiet song about someone named Jesse, and I, I just, I felt like it just the whole album just came to a grinding halt at that point. And uh, you know, there's a few, a few interesting moments after that. I did, I did appreciate Suzanne. I thought that was a pretty cool closer. But then when you smile is like almost like a show tune, sort of in the middle. Yeah, of it the is, movie. yeah. That one's been done a bunch of times. I was not super into that either. It felt like it was from a musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, her, she's great on the piano, and her voice, you know, is is unique and and i think high quality and i mean i enjoy the record as a whole it's a quiet storm album i don't know if it fits that genre perfectly but you know there's definitely some elements elements here for sure there's just some drizzles <laughs> yeah <laughs> partially cloudy yeah okay so from 1973 that was killing me softly by roberta fleck Affleck! <laughs> nice Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. And now it's time for Deep Questions by Don. Uh, so, radio DJs uh, help to shape the, the Quiet Storm sound. Um, what DJs do you consider among the most influential to yourself in the music scene? Besides DJ Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first one that came to mind for me growing up was Casey Kasem, you know, his countdown show on of course. Saturdays, I want to say it was, or Sundays. You know, he was kind of a douche, but he did have an iconic voice. And Wow. <laughs> At least that's what he I did heard. a lot of... A lot of cartoon voices, too. Yeah, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. He's Shaggy? No yeah. kidding. I did not know that. And I'll give a shout-out to a local DJ who did influence me a fair amount in terms of my exploration of, like, indie music. Um, there's a local station here called WBER in Rochester. WBER, the only station that matters. Um, one of their longtime DJs, Joey Gusto. Gusto? I feel like that's a missed opportunity to be Joey Gusto. <laughs> I think it's Gusto. Am I wrong, Don? Or I thought it, it was Justo. But <laughs> I don't know. He's, let's, let's not tag him. His first name is definitely Joey. <laughs> Anyways, he did a great independent music show that I got into and introduced me to a lot of new artists. So I appreciated him. I'll just throw out there. I mean, Howard Stern, obviously not like a music DJ, he was. Yeah, initially he was. Yeah, but then he kind of created his own his own talk radio format, which you know, growing up in the nineties was pretty enticing for a, a teenage sure. kid to listen to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it was pretty into him for a while. Um, yeah, how about you guys? Well, for me, there was a there was a radio station when I was like uh, middle school age, and they play like all the top forty stuff, and there was this DJ on there called Hot Scott. Okay. Hot Scots. Nice. I actually, like, he, he was on some local TV commercials and stuff, and the Hot Scott, and I couldn't stand him, <laughs> but I liked the station. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think for me, it was just those regional guys with the goofy names, and of course, Wolfman Jack. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> he was. He was known through the uh, 60s for like kind of a almost pirate radio type of thing and into the 70s where he had this really ah, kind of voice like this. Wolfman Jack. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up like on cartoons and stuff in the in the 70s. So he was just kind of like this pop cultural character um, huh. 
that just had a cool name. And then, of course, Wink Martindale, host of Tic Tac Doe game show. But before that, he was a, he was a DJ. He's kind of uh, known for breaking Elvis Presley on WHBQ. <laughs> they started playing Elvis Presley's That's All Right on July 5th, 1954. And he was forever linked to Elvis. And a lot, of, you know, Dick Clark and a lot of, a lot of guys that we know from, from TV and from music related television all came from radio back in those days. So, well, I'll quickly shout out to the poor man's Casey Kasem, uh, Rick D's. Um, yes, I remember of like American Top 40 would be on Sunday mornings, but if I was listening at Saturday night, would be Rick D's Top yep. 40. Yep. And remember, there'd be like a segment where it was a, I forget if it was a song that stonk or something, D's Sleaze. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Just ring a bell. I was actually, uh, you know, when I saw this question, I was thinking of um, Shadow Stevens. Oh, that's another good one. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth pipes. No, I was actually a, a more obscure pick. There was a show that was syndicated on a local radio station called Rock Over London. Um, you know, oh, course, here we go. <laughs> that, of course, featured music from the UK. And there's a guy named uh, Paul Sexton uh, who had Sexton. a really, you know, really nice. Name. Yeah, and a nice uh, British accent. Um, so it just. Everything, just any artist name he would say, I'd be like, oh, that sounds really cool. I got to check that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so who's your favorite radio DJ? Hit us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and threads. Also, the Discord, albumnerds.com slash Discord. This is Venus, my children. Here we sit. And let the sounds of music creep in our ears. Soft stillness in the night. Become Ooh. the touches of Venus. sweet harmony. You know, misty. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I went a little more recent with uh, D'Angelo and his album Voodoo from January 25th, 2000. So uh, at least we made it into this century. So Michael Eugene Archer, better known by his stage name D'Angelo, uh, American singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, record producer, and uh, has three full-length studio albums over a super long career. Fascinating character. Uh, the album Voodoo was his second. It incorporates elements of funk, soul, jazz, and rock. So this is Untitled, How Does It Feel? I'm gonna make love to you one <laughs> Oh, he's good. Ooh, D'Angelo. Yes. So, Untitled, How Does It Feel? That song was pretty big. Uh, conceived as a tribute to the iconic musician Prince, who was obviously an influence of D'Angelo's vocal style. And the production of the song was a collaborative effort with D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq, who we've talked about before from Tony, Tony, Tony. Mm. And that kind of tracks, right? You know, uh, Raphael Sadiq's um, solo stuff is very quiet stormish as well. The, the recording session took place at Electric Lady Studios. Features a signature 6-8 time, which you know usually Don gets into, but it does have this distinctive feel that aligns with traditional soul, but it also sounded very modern with the hip-hop-oriented beats, but then still uh, Questlove's drumming being very organic sounding. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, the song's lyrics are, are basically very sexy. It's about intimacy and uh, a super sweaty song. Do you guys remember <laughs> its influence at the time? The video where he's like, appears to be nude. You guys remember that? Abs. He's got those lower abs, like that triangle. Oh, thing I know. Right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> his abdomen is out of this world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the time I was working at a, at a music store and we had a in-store play DVD music videos and a couple of TV screens. And when that would come on, I've never experienced this before or since. Oh, Every lady, didn't matter how old, race, religion, nothing <laughs> mattered. If that was on, they were staring at the screen. It was, it was, I always felt very uncomfortable standing at the counter <laughs> with like five or six ladies staring at D'Angelo <laughs> longingly. So, uh, <laughs> mission accomplished on that one, D'Angelo. He's a good looking guy. What can he say? Uh, yeah. The album in three words Enigmatic Soul Elevation. It brought it to it brought this neo soul thing to a different level with the hip hop influence, with his ragged vocals. Just um, a masterpiece, and I'm really annoyed with myself for ignoring it at the time. I I wrote it off as being sex laden garbage. It didn't have any substance, but man, was I wrong! Uh, it's a long album, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, why don't we uh, move forward? Let's listen to a little bit of "Send It On." that was the fourth single from the album the first one they recorded um it's about his newborn son really his lyrics are so i don't know they feel deep but they're they're hard to deconstruct i mean they're a lot of times they just feel not nonsensical but they're more about the vibe and and the feeling and the emotion behind things uh, but i really love the his performance on that track i mean the whole album is he's just He's great on this. Uh, the three words I used to describe it are deep and steady. I feel like this, everything about this record is just is like dense um, and just has a lot of depth to it. I mean, obviously the, the bass and the drums are there, and, um, but just the vibe. Everything about this record just has a great vibe to it. I mean, it's kind of sleepy and like muted sounding, but I think there's a lot of cool details and precision when listening closely. There's a, lot, there's a, lot, a fair amount that's happening here. And it works. It works well together. I mean, I think it might be one of the better sounding records in the 2000s I can yeah. think of. I, everything just sounds great. Mixed really well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the, the Soulquarians, you know, he's a member of the Soulquarians. You familiar with this, guys? No, yeah, what's that? Rotating collective of experimental black music artists during the 1990s and early 2000s. D'Angelo, Questlove, Jay Dilla, Erica Badu, Pino Palladino, Talib Kweli, Common, Q-Tip, you know, a bunch of those those people would come in and out of each other's projects. And the number of contributors to this album, guitarists yeah. and composers and, you know, Questlove doing the drums and a lot of the roots being involved, it definitely mm-hmm. has that feel. It felt super modern, but also super throwback. Uh, for yeah. the time. Uh, the only track, Left and Right, was the only one that I found to be eh. Yeah, I totally agree, man. That's the track with uh, Method Man and Red Man on it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just the style of the time. 
Mm-hmm. The song itself sounds pretty cool, but their verses in particular, just not, it just was, it's not for me. It's a little too graphic and not, and, uh, part of what makes stuff Quiet Storm to me and 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 sexy is when it's innuendo. Yeah, it's a little more subtle. Not just, you know, you know stuff stuff about asses <laughs> or whatever. It's just not, it needs, you need to be hinting. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be a little a little less misogynistic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. yeah. So that that that's the only song I think has not aged well, but otherwise I, they're all awesome. Chicken Grease has that funky Oh yeah, I love that track. You know, feel um and then Pino Palladino playing the uh, the bass. He just the bass throughout this album is just so roll roll. And the guitars mm-hmm. have that, they have a liquidy yeah. feel almost. Yeah. Got that wobble. Yeah, which adds to the sweatiness if, throughout the record. <laughs> I would say it's it's got a loose, like, hangout vibe to the record because it has got like, mm-hmm. that huge, that big mm-hmm. group collaborating. But like I was saying, yeah, it feels very meticulously structured when you listen to it. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange um, middle ground they found. Why don't we enjoy a little bit of the devil's pie? So that song was composed by uh, D'Angelo and DJ Premier, who I, I believe we've talked about before because he was a member of, uh, of Gangstar. Yes. And that's definitely one of the most uh, hip hoppy tracks uh, on the album, and it's the the second one. So I, I think it gives the uh, the record some some good momentum. And the song basically just deals with your uh, you know excess uh, you know money and, and commercialism, right? So the the three words I, I chose to describe the album are a quiet derecho. Derecho. Do you guys know what a derecho is? It doesn't sound like you do either. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if I pronounce it right. <laughs> Uh, it's like a storm that kind of it's a, it's a, a series of windstorms that you know just continues mm. and continue you know for a long time. Okay, uh, well, that's perfect. Yeah. Right. So this is a long musical journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it sort of you know it, it transcends you know quiet storm in a lot of ways. It, it was fun, you know, go, starting with Roberta Flack and then to to. Um, smoky uh and now to this um because you you know you have that hip-hop influence that that comes in you know i'm generally not a huge fan of music from from this era you know because uh, again you know i also worked at a record store at that time and um (laughs) i don't know you know there was just you know a lot of stuff that that i wasn't into at the time but this is one that certainly stands out from from that era and it's you know it it kind of borrowing sort of like the best from you know from each realm from r&b and and from hip-hop you know you mentioned tony 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 um you remember we did that tony tony album you know that that i think was from like 1990 Mm -hmm. it's amazing the difference sonically between that album and this one it's completely different even though it's sort of loosely within the the same genre you've got a lot more of that uh hip-hop you know that low-end bass in this that you didn't have in the the tony 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 of course the tony 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 maybe had a little more jazz uh, but there's elements of jazz in this as well yeah for sure and we can't get into all the the songs like spanish joint which has a salsa influence and feel like making love which a roberta flack cover yeah. uh supposedly that was supposed to be a duet with him and lauren hill and some tapes went back and forth but it couldn't get done oh there i also read that uh lenny kravitz was was brought in to like do some guitar or something on one of the songs, but he said that he couldn't because the uh, 
the drum tracks were inconsistent that he just couldn't find the groove and i think that's part of what makes what makes yeah. this good is it does have I read that Questlove in particular said it needed to feel natural. So if there were mistakes, if I was off tempo, we went with it. That was the vibe. I think that's part of what makes this not feel like that era. Music felt very canned, right? Very by by numbers. And this has, it has those elements, but the rawness and, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, Alicia Keys from the same time frame. Mm -hmm. I ignored both and I regret it. And I'm thankful to this show for bringing me around. I'll be honest, like the main reason I didn't listen to this record in 2000, I was embarrassed to have it, his abdomen <laughs> like associated right. in my record yeah. collection or on sure. my Spotify or whatever. <laughs> you know, like Coming back to it, though, it's, yeah, it, it's almost as good as, as Black Messiah, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean it's a different. It, there's it's different, it's different. subject matter. Different. Black Messiah yeah. touches on some of that, but this doesn't get into social injustice um, and racism and stuff too much. I mean, Devil's Pie gets into a little bit of life on the streets and the temptations and and all that. But uh, yeah, man, I'm super impressed. And all three of his records, actually, I'm going to nominate this for the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. I especially love it when I find an album to nominate that I was unfamiliar with before doing it for the show. I love that. That's part of what makes this so much fun. So it's a guess for me. I said a bunch of stuff. How you guys feel? Um, I, yeah. I, um, can we have two D'Angelo albums in there? Uh, yeah. Well, I, if <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, you can have more than one Pink Floyd album in there, more than one Marvin Gaye. And, and D'Angelo doesn't have much output. It just happens to be awesome. Yeah, he takes his time with them. And I, this feels like an important album, especially considering like that neo-soul movement and how influential it was in really defining what that was going to sound like at this time period. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of his and come to appreciate him a lot over the last couple of decades. Yeah, I uh, I definitely see this as uh, you know a, a standout album uh, in that era. I, if I'm not even sure it's a, a criticism. You know, I listened to this so many times uh, in the in the last week, and I never found myself like getting melodies stuck in my head or anything. You know, there there weren't any recurring you know melodies yeah. or. You didn't have Devil's Pie pounding through your head for a week. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but but that's okay though. You know, I don't think every album has to have that, and it has. More, it's it's a vibe record, I think, and it has kind of yeah. a consistent vibe throughout it. And you know, they he he really does a great job with that. So uh, I'll vote yes. Wow, a quiet storm got pretty loud. Two album nerds, Hall of Famers. Surprising, huh? All right, so um, D'Angelo, Voodoo, go check it out. And while you're there, you might as well listen to his whole discography. <laughs> It'll only take you a few hours. All right, so we all explored this you know, sort of mysterious, um, I don't know, perhaps a, a better defined genre than some of the other ones we've we've discussed in the past, you know, like yacht rock. Yeah. So uh, what did we learn? Um, I think for me, I, you know, I've been listening to so much streaming music the last couple of decades. I've really discounted radio completely. The value of the DJ, man, like they do bring some atmosphere and some context. And when you create a show like a Quiet Storm show, like that format, uh-huh. it's a cool groove, man. I, I you know, yeah. there's a local jazz station that does something like that. And I, I kind of like listening to that. And it's, it's, it's very different than listening to a streaming album or 
you know, a random collection of songs. It's, it's cool. Like the DJ does have some value. So yeah, for me, it was, uh, really just about succumbing to that sound. I mean, I've, I've always been aware of it. There've been songs that I think fit into that. And I've heard those radio stations back in the day, but just letting myself just drop the umbrella and get soaked. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I think, I mean, it's, it's a genre that I've always been somewhat adverse to. And, you know, I also, I think kind of need, I needed to, you know, to, to warm up to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, God, I, 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 it's just amazing that we chose, you know, that we ended up putting two of these records in the the hall of fame. I would never have thought that, (laughs) but no, it's pretty cool. A little more depth than we expected. So. And that's one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. All right, boys and girls, gather around the radio and let's find out what the Wheel of Musical Destiny has in store for us next week. Your musical destiny is twofold. First, you should get down. Secondly, and more importantly, you need to get funky. You will be exploring albums with funk elements or a funk fusion, if you will. Enjoy. Let's get funky. Just a quick reminder, there are two ongoing Album Nerds Hall of Fame votes in progress. Go to our website and Discord to cast your vote for the 1982 album Avalon by Roxy Music, as well as Sly and the Family Stone. There's a riot going on. Uh, voting is underway and will be open for another week or so for there's a riot going on. So get your votes in as soon as possible. What's your favorite funk-inspired album? So what else are you listening? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com follow us on facebook instagram and threads at album nerds also please subscribe rate and review on your favorite podcast app if you'd like to support the show you can do so via paypal at albumnerds.com slash support all right thanks for listening once again to the album nerds podcast we'll catch you next time when we get funky everybody next week strumming my pain with this finger Singing my life with this word. Get your heart out, Roberta. Oh, I thought you were going to throw in a one time. <laughs> Did you find yourself doing that when listening to her version? <laughs> it's pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs>